The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. BTS, Dynamite, it's Beat 102-103. Well, my first guest this morning is Karen Whelan and she is an accredited psychotherapist, an author and a business founder. She's going to chat about some of her work and, you know, these strange times that just keep getting stranger. Karen joins me this morning. Good morning. Oh, you have a lovely way of putting that on a word at these strange times. Indeed, just keep getting stranger. Oh, and there's one characteristic that we chatted about during the week that we said we'd talk about this morning, and that is the outrage. Yeah, yeah, outrage. You know, it's um, we are living in such an uncertain time. And when we live in the uncertainty, you know, as people, as humans, we love to make the uncertain certain. We mm-hmm. need to figure it all out. And when we can't do it, what really happens to us is we become very vulnerable within. Mm. None of us like to feel vulnerability inside mm-hmm. of our own physicality. We don't like it. So to be vulnerable means, you know, to say, I'm scared. I feel overwhelmed. I'm worried. Instead of that, what we do is our way to cope is we run into the emotion of anger. Mm-hmm. Anger is it's a great emotion, you know, in a healthy way, because um, it can help us to move into action and to take action. And probably in a sporadic way, not as angry as I, for one, feel a lot of the time. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, and of course we have anger. So I want to just start there with the compassion energy. Mm-hmm. Of course we have anger. You know, I'm scared. I'm a, Yes, I'm a, an, a, an accredited psychotherapist. But I'm also a human being and like everybody else, I feel things and I really feel things. I'm such an empath and I really feel it and I'm very aware of what's going on around me. And recently, you know, I messaged Angela, my business uh, colleague, and I just said to her, you know, here we are. We're getting talks about level three and I was walking towards the house and I just had this deep feeling of I can't do this anymore. Mm. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted of constantly finding a way through it, constantly trying to figure it out, constantly trying to maintain uh, the kids' happiness and the safety and try to feel some sort of security. Mm-hmm. And Angela came back with an amazing message. And it wasn't what she said, it was how she said it. She mm-hmm. met me with love. And I just went, you know what? We're so lacking love and compassion Mm. and love and compassion makes us feel really 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 safe she met you with love so her response was filled with love for you her response her voice message it was the most beautiful voice message it was so loving and nurturing and you know and I felt so safe in that bubble of love you know and Mm. I and I rang her up and I said I have the answer me and you are going to create a compassion circle for everybody. We're going to talk about that later on we because will. I think that is so important. But over the last week, now I'm talking about myself mm-hmm. personally, but when I say it to my friends, they're all like, oh, yeah, I feel that too. So I was in a shop at home in my hometown last Sunday. And, you know, we're, we're as you said, we're scared. So there was someone in the queue behind me in the self-service checkout that was too close to me. So and I'm sorry now to take over your name, Karen, but I asked this person to move back and he said to me, are you a Karen? (laughs) (laughs) This is this is getting some mileage. Karen, your poor name. And I was like, no, I'm not Karen. I'm just asking you respectfully just to stand back. And he then argued that he was two metres back, which he wasn't. And for me to be able to repeat, I'm just respectfully asking you to stand back. And he did. It was grand. But it came with a quip. But I understand that man. If someone uh, if someone kind of accused me of doing something wrong during mm. this pandemic, I think I would be angry. Of course. Yeah. So of course. how do we marry those emotions? Because we're sure. all I think we're all trying to do things right. Right. I think there are some people who are quite reckless in this. But I think the majority of people are trying to do things right. But we feel we cannot say, put your mask up over your nose, stand back. How do we marry these emotions? I know, and that's brilliant, Orla, because there's so much to that. So for you, you had a need, you know, yeah, and your need I was, was scared, like I'm you said. scared and I need to feel safe. Mm. And then what you had then is a person who, in their experience, probably did not want to feel that they were doing something wrong to you mm-hmm. and then went into defense. Mm-hmm. And then with defense, then you met his defense and then you met your own defense and mm-hmm. then you, the two you became in conflict. Yes. So we had two care seekers there. You know, he had a need as well and you had a need. And 
and then you will never get resolution in that and that's very hard and I think instead of getting into a fight with him I I had the ability to say I'm just respectfully asking you to stand back whereas I could have met his are you a Karen with a are you a and then it would have turned into something differently it's lovely that you're able to do it and I think it's great for people if they ever find themselves in situations like that you know what I would say it is okay to turn around to somebody and say look I'm not trying to make you irritated I'm scared Mm. And for me, it, I get very scared when I see other people, you know, and, and you're too close. In my experience, you're too close to me. I'm not trying to irritate you. I'm just scared. Mm. I think sometimes when we can show how the, the honesty of our realness, it, it then diffuses people from needing to argue back. When mm. a person is met with an authentic expression coming out of you and it's real and it's authentic and you're not defensive and you're not running to the argumentative energy, mm. People then will meet you where you're coming from. Mm. They People will. And it is so hard. We, you know, and I was saying a few minutes back, we have to make the uncertainty certain. We mm. have to. And anger is an energy. It makes us feel in control. Because when we're angry, you're moving away from what's really going on inside of you. You're not looking at you. So you're able to kind of blame. When we blame, mm. you know... It's just, an, these are all natural human responses and that's kind of the message. I don't want people feeling bad. Oh, I'm one of these people who get angry and I'm one of these people who, who get, you know, I react to people. These are these are natural responses coming out of um, emotions, overwhelming emotions. We can't change what's going on. None of us know what's going to happen, how it's going to look down the road in a little while. We cannot, what we can do and what we do always have control of is You'll always have control over how you want to experience the experience. You always get to choose for you what it is you want to do. And I think I would have been annoyed at myself if I didn't ask that person to stand back. Yeah. So that was my experience. Yeah. Mm. So when you mentioned it to him and then he went, or are mm. you a current? You know, in that moment, and you were brilliant, you laughed it off. And in that moment, you could have said, you know, um, I see for you, this is making you angry, but for me, I'm scared. Okay, yeah, that's a really good point. Can we move on to another emotion? Maybe it's not an emotion, it's a characteristic. The assumptions. If oh. I see another de-regged car in Wexford and assume that it's someone who shouldn't be there, whereas really, it's very easy to buy a Dublin Reg second-hand <laughs> car. Why am I assuming that everyone is terrible and I'm brilliant? Again, it's fear. Yeah. This is fear and fear is an energy and it has to find a story. Fear will always look for thoughts to attach itself to. So right now, and this is the beauty of it. Everyone's fear is being experienced in the same way. Mm. Everyone is projecting and assuming. Yeah. You know, I you know, I have a car that has a KK yeah. and somebody said to me, Will you be pulled in now more often? And I was oh, like Because you're based in Washford, okay. I was like, oh, I never even considered <laughs> You know, and then I had this paranoia mm. of Oh, my God, if I'm pulled in, you know, but yeah, and we're all the only thing that me and you are able to really share today is that we're all feeling this and we all have the same responses to it. So what can we do about that? Really? What can we do to this? COVID is um, it's an opportunity for everybody to learn. How can I best support myself in this? Mm -hmm. How do I learn tools around self-help and self-minding tools? We're never taught this growing up. Mm -hmm. None of us. We lived in a very busy world where we were easily distracted and we were always looking outside and we'd always find something outside of ourselves to suit ourselves. There's nothing outside, only the same experience that we're all going through, which is there's more fear and there's more anger. Mm -hmm. Now it's a real opportunity for all of us as people to learn. How can I support me? Emotionally, mentally, physically, because all of our emotions, if you break it down, this is the therapist speaking now, emotion, it's energy and motion. Every emotion you feel is an energy in the body. Go walk it off. Go talk it off. Do something to move out of. Change your focus. If you're focusing on, if you can see that your thoughts are all assumption and yeah. negative, change your focus. Find something to be have gratitude. Yeah. Maybe have gratitude that you're taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. You're looking after your little bubble. You're able to still be around your family right now. Mm-hmm. Everyone is good and healthy. Find something to feel that will uplift you and take you out of that mindset if you can. But um, yeah, it's so tough. It's yeah. so it's tough. Like it really resonates what you're saying, because even walking into a shop, you're assuming there'll be someone in there without <laughs> a face mask. So I know. Like, why have those assumptions when really we're all trying to get by? We're all trying to figure it out. And we just don't know. Like, you know, as a baby, a children go through processes and it's called growth spurts and they get the physical body pains, the giant pains. We're all in a growth process, a growth. We don't know what this is going to look like 
post COVID. Nobody, all well, I do know. Is even. No, mm. but we, what we do know is it's never going to go back to the way it was. So it is an opportunity for people. The best thing you can give yourself is self-awareness because that's the resilience. That is the way that you will like for me. I'm not overwhelmed. I can feel into what's going on around me, but I don't get overwhelmed by it because I have enough self-help tools in my toolkit. Thank God for that, that I can. And I can pass that on to people, which is what I do. Give me one self-help tool that we could do this morning if we're in the shop and we're assuming that, you know. Brilliant. When, wherever you are like that if you're in a shop and something happens notice where did it where is it hitting you in your body first okay. everything will hit the body it's mm. visceral you'll experience it as a visceral thing mm-hmm. where in your body are you feeling it so let's say for you you saw him you might have felt it you might even know now it might have been your chest or your mm. stomach a mm. tightness definitely around there just bring your breath down to that part of the body and relax the body and just say to yourself I am safe I am, safe. I am well because you're the one wearing your mask and you can keep yourself at a distance. You can move mm. slightly more if you feel the need to. Mm. So Without I, touching, Karen. <laughs> they're going, <laughs> so you can do that for you. Just breathe into that part of the body that's holding the resistance and just breathe into it and just say, I'm safe. I am well. I am I'm safe. safe. I am, I am well. well. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Tell us about your compassion circles. Yeah, so myself and Angela, Angela Stewart Oil, she's uh, just a beautiful friend and we're wellness partners. So we've come together and we've built a company and it's called Your Nova Life. And inside of this beautiful company, uh, it's a website, we have Nova Wellness. So there's all events on it, Nova Publications, which is our books and productions, because we will be shooting in 2021 um, a documentary series. But at the moment, we decided because we both recognised right now people need a space to feel where they belong. There's no sense of belonging at the moment. It's very disruptive. Mm -hmm. And with Angela replying to me with that big loving energy, I just said, that's the answer. Right now, we all need to feel the feeling of love and safety. And when we feel loved and safe, we will relax in our body. Mm -hmm. We will surrender. And we will connect better. So we are every Friday from 11 a.m. till 12 p.m. on Zoom. We are offering an hour's space where I will people can just share what they want. I'll come in with some therapeutic guides and tools. We'll do a meditation. We'll send things out to people to watch even on the lead up before the group. If people are interested, they just have to email us and they can do that on yournovalife2020 at gmail.com or go on to the website yournovalife.com. You'll find everything there. And that's free for people. That is free for people. And our Zoom can hold up to 100 people. So, um, you know, and when you share an experience like me and you have just done, um, and everybody recognises we're all going through this together. That's what brings in that sense of connection yeah. and belonging. And that's, mm. we need that camaraderie. We do. We need that sense of community. Oh, definitely. Bringing it all back together. You're yeah. every Friday. Yeah. Um, lovely idea though. And it's you're calling it a compassion circle, is that a right? A compassion circle. I love it. Thank yeah. you so much, Karen. I am well. I am safe. And I'm making no more assumptions. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in this morning. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, I know what you're going to say. It might be a little soon to be talking Christmas, but you know yourself. People are definitely thinking ahead and there really is a big push to shop local this year. Well, just along the Quay and the Viking Triangle in Waterford City are three independently owned shops, owned by three female business owners, all offering something a little bit different. I visited all three of them this week. My name's Bavian McGrath and I have the shop also called Bavian. It's an Irish design shop down on the quay in Waterford. So Bavian started as, it, um, I have my own brand, so making um, Irish uh, knitwear and linen clothing. And so um, I opened with kind of a select few Irish, other Irish designers and makers and just it's all speeded up and I ended up with, now I have about 80 different Irish makers and designers yeah, from around the country. So from um, jewellery, ceramics, homeware and then all my own range as well. What would you say when people come into you? What are they looking for? What could you suggest for Christmas time? Oh well, there's there's quite a bit of selection but say 
I found a lot of people have been coming in in the last few weeks to buy Christmas presents. It's to send them to family who might make it home for Christmas, you know, with, you know, don't know what's going to happen. So um, I've been kind of recommending, say, my own knitwear. So it's not going to break in the post. And um, some scarves or a jumper or something like that. Also, we have um, lovely woven blankets, um, which are woven in Great Namana in County Kilkenny by Cushendale Woolen Mills. Um, so they're lamb's wool and mohair. Um, they're beautiful. And yeah, they don't weigh much, so great to, to post. Just a few doors down from Bayveen is a treasure trove of a shop called Nest. Hi, I'm Sinead. Uh, we're in Nest on the Quay, uh, which is my relatively new homeware store um, that opened in July, or in June rather, June. In the middle of a pandemic? Yes, yes. Uh, not, not planned naturally, but I don't think anybody planned for what came at us but look I, I'm just happy that I got to open that I'm still open whatever comes and, and goes I suppose it's a learning curve as well you know so yeah I mean not ideal but it wasn't ideal for anybody you can kind of see around it's colorful it's um, I suppose it's a bit of an expression of me I like color I like unusual things I like um, you know I, and I think people like I say I like but I think people like that sort of thing in their home um, you know everybody needs different things and I hope that I'm catering for that it's got a lot of things for the home I suppose that's the way I would describe it um, yeah something for for everybody I mean nice gifts and things as well for somebody who maybe has collected over the years and just needs you know a little something small I think people who are into homewares are into it do you know what I mean like it's it's kind of a thing and this is a good place to come for maybe those people uh, to buy for them or for those people to come and find something for themselves. Bavine up the road does the, the Irish thing so well. So, you know, there's no point in me doing what she does, but I um, do have a lot of Waterford um, small businesses, um, women, as you said. Um, so I've got Lemon Prince, um, Fiona from Millish, uh, Candles, Off the Rocker Cards, um, that's the lovely Joanne. Uh, she's amazing, mum of two, young mum of two, and she's set this up herself. Um, and she's, she's. I think I might have been one or certainly the second retailer. And now, I mean, I follow her on Instagram and she's just growing and growing. It's amazing. She came in last week with her kids and she's fab. She's yeah. fab and her stuff is amazing. Happy birthday, you big ride. I mean, does it get better than that? Definitely not. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking around. There's loads of, loads of, um, different smaller independent um, women that I support and I'm delighted to do that because I know what it's like you know support means everything and and people and you know people come in and ask me what's from Waterford you know like or what's what's local so it's important to have it. And just around the corner from Nest is another new independent store. My name is Lisa Statham. Um, we are in the heart of the Viking Triangle on Bailey's New Street, um, where Harlow Fine Jewellery has opened up a few months ago. Well, I've been in the industry for nearly 20 years now, so I suppose, like it is in life, things just develop over years and you don't even realise that it's happening. So I have run businesses with my husband before, and this time, this time it was it was my, my turn to do something I love. So we're a fine jewellery boutique, so within that, we don't have everything for everybody. We're not a retail store, but we have, what we have is, is uh, curated by myself. Um, so we're very, um, very heavy on the Irish designers. So we support emerging designers and existing Irish designers, which I love to do. Um, and then also we have our fine jewellery element. So on the top floor of the shop, we have our um, engagement, uh, room to kind of for private appointments um, and that's my passion. So we design engagement rings or wedding rings or a piece for a special anniversary um, and at the moment we are, probably shouldn't even say this but I will, we're just designing our own um, nine carat gold collection and we're hoping to have that live for Christmas. It'll be a small collection of handmade pieces that I've designed so I can't wait to go live with that. Lisa says she's seen an increase this month in customers thinking about Christmas. Um, I mean you've always, I've worked in retail a very long time, you'll always have the early birds but there's a lot more of them this year. Um, men and, and ladies coming in and just, just looking around now, so now because they don't know if they're gonna get in or, you know, we're a small shop, so we will be taking by appointment just to ensure that people have their allotted space. They're not waiting out in the rain because, you know, Christmas, you know, the weather could, 
could put people off com coming in. Um, so yeah, people are coming in and earmarking that special piece. We do. Um, take deposits as well so um, if you do see something you like we take a small deposit and we can hold it then so three independent stores owned by three fabulous businesswomen based in the Viking Triangle in Waterford City so there's a right little buzz kind of you know if you noticed in the last few months there'd be lots of people kind of coming it's more of a destination down here now whereas I was kind of on my own nearly but it's great to have the other girls and we have trade coffee shops so yeah we found people kind of like get a coffee and then mosey around our shops for a while on a Saturday or something it's a nice thing to do. It's lovely and I think it's a real attraction to the area um, that you know these smaller boutiques offer something really different you have that personality of the person behind it and you won't get a service that you get from a small business in a big store I mean you know we will go the, the extra length to make sure you get what you want. Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, County Kilkenny has undertaken to reposition itself as an outstanding place to visit, to shop, work, locate a business, live and raise a family. And they've launched a new website simply called kilkenny.ie. Fiona Deegan is the head of enterprise at the local enterprise office in Kilkenny County Council. And she's on the phone to tell us more. You're very welcome to the Sunday Grill, Fiona. Thank you very much, Orla. Now, this is quite a feat. Thank you. Quite a feat. The website sits under the banner of the best of Ireland. Kilkenny, very well known across the globe. I wonder why it needs a website as well. Well, I suppose what happened um, prior to COVID was we actually had a look at all our websites within Kilkenny under the various offerings, such as Visit Kilkenny for Tourism, Taste Kilkenny for Food, and um, really, I suppose, what we discovered was we had an array of websites and we really needed one umbrella brand just to overarch all of those websites and to take them in under it and sell Kilkenny as one. And we looked at, you know, Kilkenny on uh, search engine engines and it was, you know, the amount of searches on Kilkenny, really, and we didn't have a proper Kilkenny.ie website. Mm -hmm. So... We set about developing an umbrella brand and an umbrella website that would overarch all of those and take everything into one place. And this is a one-stop shop, as you said, for all things to do and see in Kilkenny and even how you can invest in Kilkenny. So how is that all divided up in the website? What are the different titles almost or themes? Well, I suppose this is kind of a two-pronged process. There's a, brand, a new branding element to it as well. So I suppose what we looked at was what was our current brand, which was our Kilkenny script brand. And we felt that that stood the test of time. And I suppose after much debate, we wanted to position ourselves. And that position was, and it's a big statement, is the best of Ireland. Now, we're not saying the best in Ireland. We're saying the best of Ireland. And everything that we have from our creative industries, from our tourism, our medieval mile, our cityscapes, our attractive villages, from our food and our Michelin star restaurants to our, to, to our places to explore, uh, public and open amenities, and really our festivals and our investment as a place for people to come and locate their business. So everything is under that one brand, the, the Kilkenny.ie brand, the best of Ireland. And we're asking people, our invitation is to come see, come do. That's our main invitation. Mm -hmm. And for example, under tourism, we will be looking for people to come see and come experience. And under our festivals, come see and come together. And under our business, come see and come grow. So it's just showcasing the best of everything that we have under those headings in Kilkenny. Um, of course, it's a website for both Kilkenny City and County. Is there Absolutely. quite a difference in promoting the two or are they joined together? Well, we, we're try, we try to, to sell Kilkenny as one. People will come to the city, but we're encouraging them to go out to the, the county towns. For, for example, Castlecombe or the Discovery Park uh, in Ishtig, beautiful locations outside of the city. So when people come to Kilkenny, we, we're pushing them as well out into those towns to to go to those facilities and enjoy scenery there. 
Um, some lovely sections um, like for example and we're talking a lot about shopping local um, on the run up to Christmas especially with everything that's happening and a really lovely list of some of the independent shops in Kilkenny. Yeah. I suppose if we, if, we, if we want to go back to exactly where this came from this idea came actually from the city centre task force that was set up back in, early in the year and really we were looking at we have shop Kilkenny campaigns and we were looking at how can we actually promote retail? And I suppose I thought, think it was very big of them to say, look, we want to do this, but we want to incorporate everything along with retail. So that's where it came from initially. And and we have a Google map there which promotes all the different retail outlets. So we'll be encouraging all our retailers now to get themselves up on Google. So when people go onto the website, if they're thinking of coming to Kilkenny, they can go in and plan their a day before they come or plan their weekend before they, they come here to Kilkenny. Yeah, because I know myself, I'm very guilty of my day in Kilkenny being a trip to the <laughs> castle for a walk around the castle park. Then there's a certain coffee shop that I love and then there's certain shops. So it's nice to see what you can do differently even. Absolutely. And that's what we're trying to showcase, the very best of what we have. And we have beautiful uh, streetways and shops in, in various areas around the city and the county. And we're just trying to promote those and try to encourage uh, everybody to come to Kilkenny and to visit those uh, shops, to look at our craft, to look at our uh, jewellery, to look at uh, everything that we have in Kilkenny. If you had a day off, Fiona, as someone who knows Kilkenny so well, what would you do? Where would you go? Well, I suppose I live out near Castle Comer, so I would tend to go for a walk in the Discovery Park, beautiful mm-hmm. walk there around the lakes. Mm-hmm. And we have a beautiful new um, hotel and we have new restaurants out in Castlecomer, so I tend to pop into one of those. And I suppose when I come into the city, I love to take a walk in the Castle Park, as you've mentioned, and and there's any amount of restaurants that I love to visit. But I suppose... I also love to shop and I love the boutiques. Uh, in particular, I, I, I take a stroll down Kieran Street and there's numerous boutiques there that I tend to visit. It's, it's a little boutique oasis. Mm-hmm. So lots and lots of things to do in okay. Kilkenny. And it's all under that umbrella of this new website, which is kilkenny.ie. And I suppose there's so many towns dotted around County Kilkenny with their own identities. I'm thinking, like you said, of Inishtig. Thomastown, yeah. there's just so many of those sort of quite arty towns in a way. Really, really, really nice. And they all have their own offerings, you know, and they're all very, very different, you know. So you go to Callan and, you know, it's very, very inclusive and uh, it's it's fabulous there. And then you head down to Inishtig and, you know, the gardens and it's just take a walk through Woodstock and Thomastown. Then you have centres of excellence in pottery and, you know, it's very crafty and it's Everything, all the towns actually have very, very different offerings. And I suppose that's what's special about the county, that, you know, you can go to different towns for different uh, things to do. Lovely. Well, Kilkenny.ie is the website. If you're living in County Kilkenny at the moment and looking for things to do, and when we finally all get to travel to different counties and you want to plan your day trip to Kilkenny City and County Fiona, thank you so much for talking to me this morning. Thanks, Orla. And that is Fiona Deegan. She's the Head of Enterprise at the Local Enterprise Office in Kilkenny at Kilkenny County Council. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. My next guest this morning is a young Washford poet who recently had her poem Identity re-released in collaboration with the Adrian Brinkerhoff Foundation and their Read by Series and Poetry Ireland. Sasha Terfus is here this morning to tell us more about identity. But first, we'll have a listen to a little bit of the work itself. Are you okay with that? You're okay with yeah. hearing your own voice yeah, and everything? Yeah, I'm fine with Some that. Some people just hate the sound of their own voice. I am one of those people. Here we go. <laughs> so, I do not know what it means to be black. My version of black culture is cultivated by MTV and news reports. It's big booty bitches, blunts and Bugattis. It's black men dying in streets, oppression piercing their skulls a white lobotomy teaching the ways of correct behavior. It's grown up without a dad. Being part of the 51.2% of black kids in the 90s who were fatherless. A white mom tearing a comb through my hair because nobody taught her how to braid. 
It's 10 years of flat irons and chemicals because nobody was there to tell a little girl, your hair is as old as humanity itself. There you go, that is just some of Sasha's poem, Identity. Your hair is as old as humanity itself. (laughs) Um, And I love that line about your white mum not being able to, hasn't been thought about your hair. So, wow. All a little (laughs) bit of your own identity, as you said yourself. Yeah, I mean, I I suppose that's what the piece is really about. And I think um, it was something, my own identity was something I struggled with. And I feel like this piece, it's not the only piece that I'm after writing about what it's like being mixed race in this country and, you know, growing up through the 90s and the early 2000s as a child and stuff. But at the same time, it's kind of like one of the pieces that was the first that really kind of encapsulated my emotions and how I felt and a way for me to express that because up until that point I was like how did I learn about my heritage how did I learn about who I was and how did you learn through the media and through news yeah I mean you know what I mean like I I grew up in Eros and I grew up um with with white family and I love them all to pieces you know but the reality of it was I had to and my mother did the best that she could, mm. but I had to learn about who I was mm-hmm. um, through, you know, like I remember I was eight years old and my mother sat me down. And she was like, right, we're going to watch Roots. And I was like, why am I watching Roots? She goes, law makes sense someday, girl. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I was like, who is this? Like, do you know what I mean? Why did she try to choose Roots? It was did just, you ever talk to her about that? It was on True Movies at the time. And I think we had all the free channels. So... <laughs> So I was like, uh, do you know? Uh, and does she? Do you ever talk to her about your experience growing up as a person of mixed race in South County Wexford? <laughs> um, I don't. It's not that. It's not that. It's something that needs to kind of be no. spoken about. I suppose there's things like. I mean, there's a segment in the poem that talks about you know screaming at a mother who did, who did nothing but lay yeah. her life down for you. Why don't I look like the other kids at school, mom? Mm-hmm. And that comes exactly from my experience. I have a distinct memory of being a child and kind of coming home to my mother and be like, why don't I look like everyone else at school? Mm. Like, why does my skin so go so brown when the sun shines? And why is my hair so different to everyone else's? And how come I won't straighten like other people's? And Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's it's kind of been like an open line of communication throughout my childhood. It wasn't really one of those things that I had to be like a big sit down. Yeah. You say when you were sending out this poem that it's a piece of your identity. And I think that's what people like myself who are are white, it's hard for us to decipher that it is just part of your identity. You know, do you Mm. find that that you're almost expected to represent everyone of mixed race, be it in your poetry? So it has to be that constant theme or on a day to day um, scale. I think I think um, I write a lot about a lot of different you know topics and themes and stuff like that. Um, definitely, identity is something that I focus on a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, I also grew up in a household that had a huge Arabic influence. Um, and I like to write poetry about that too, even mm-hmm. though that might not have been my experience through this world. It's still something that's really close to me, um, because I've seen people you know flee their countries and come into our house uh, for you know. Uh, for comfort uh, and for a little bit of safety and and you know they are immigrants they are you know refugees so to speak and it's it's really sad um but I think when I say that the poem is a piece of my identity I think it's important that we also recognize that I'm more than just what's in this poem and I love and I hate and you know I sing and I dance and I also have my anxious moments and I cry and you know I have mental health issues like the next person and I work hard every day. Um, so I am more than what's in the poem, but yet that has been a reoccurring theme of course, throughout my life. And your poem is nearly two years old and yet I'm sure it has been re-released as we were saying, but I'm sure... It's actually older. Is it? Yeah, wow. I think the poem, it was one of the first poems that I actually uh, wrote. Okay. Um, and but, I think that could have been 2016. Wow. Yeah. So did it? Did it, was it something that you thought about again as a poem this summer when the Black Lives Matter movement became to the forefront yet Mm. again? I think um, I think it's a poem that I've always kind of performed. Okay. Um, So it's always been kind of like on my list of go to poems, Mm -hmm. not only because I know that I can perform it, but also um, it's just one of my favorites that Mm -hmm. I'm after writing. And it's so funny because, you know, all these years later and hopefully I've gotten better 
at writing. <laughs> um, but it's still, I always look back at that. And even though there's so many things that I would change about it, it's still, it's just a piece of me, you know, it's it's a piece of my soul, my spirit. Um, so when all of this happened, um, I kind of looked back on that poem and I was like, oh, you know, and obviously I know that there are people out there that have a very, have a much worse experience than I have had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I am not the, the pinnacle of what it is to be a person of color. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's so many varying experiences that have dealt with so much more than what I have dealt with. Mm-hmm. But you are telling your story. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when the Adrian Brinkerhoff Foundation approached me, they actually said to me, you know, we'd actually love to use this piece. And okay. I was like, you had no wow. Choice. <laughs> but even at that, I was kind of like, yeah, go on, go on. You know, like, yeah, go on. <laughs> so you, your piece that's on YouTube, you recorded that again for them. Yeah, I did indeed. And it was great because I got to perform it in Waterford as well. So it was kind of like, ah, yeah. Like, yeah, back to your roots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me, um, is like you, you're very, it's quiet and very melodic the way that you perform this poem but you're a spoken word poet so is it yeah. is, there's a lot of acting involved in it I presume for you is there? Oh I wouldn't say that now I wouldn't give my <laughs> I wouldn't uh, I, I wouldn't flatter myself with the title of an of an actor But how um, would you describe your spoken word poetry if you were to perform it? Is it mm. boisterous? Is it quiet? Is it melodic? I think it depends on the piece Okay um, I kind of it, it sounds strange but I like to look at each poem as a character mm-hmm. and um I suppose in the way, yeah, it does kind of have yeah. a, a bit of acting in it that way, yeah, because it is a performance. But I think each poem kind of has its own voice. And um, if I was to perform it any other way than what that poem is asking for, it's a disservice to the piece, you know, and I feel like it would come across as disingenuous and, and people wouldn't be able to connect with it. And that's what all I'm trying to do is just not even connect with people, but just make them reflect. Okay. I looked at your video as you said um, which is on the Adrian Brinkerhoff it's so hard to say um, <laughs> read by series there's some big hitters in there some very well known names and actors reading out some of their poetry it must be nice to be sitting in there amongst them all oh yes it's it's very nice <laughs> so if you want to check out Sasha's poem um, and some of the other poems that are available on the Adrian Brinkerhoff series on YouTube that's what you search for it's exactly as I'm saying it even though I'm probably not making sense it's <laughs> Brinkerhoff B-R-I-N-K-E-R-H-O-F-F I love this sort of poetry it makes me like forget about my leaving sort poetry experience <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah it's yeah. gorgeous to see people read out their poems and read isn't even the right word for it to perform their poems and you really get a sense of the themes and the emotions Mm. that go with it so well done it's lovely to have you in here on the Sunday Grill again and thanks a million for coming in this morning thank you so much for having me the Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, my next guest is having a good year. She's won one of only five accredited All-Ireland Business All-Star Awards and also won Best Startup Business for her business, which is called JL Designs. To explain more, Joanne O'Hurley, the Clonmel woman behind JL Designs, graphic and web design studio, is on the phone. Hiya, Joanne. Hi, Orla. How are you? I'm very well. Are you the J and the Joanne of JL Designs? <laughs> I'm the J and the L, so it's Joanne Louise. Ah, very <laughs> um, good. Joanne Louise, yeah. So um, we started off with a double barrel name, but I think that was dropped when I was about a week old. So. <laughs> oh, so you're, it's not even your middle name; it's your second name is Joanne Louise. Um, it's yeah, it's my it's my my first and middle name, but. Uh, started out kind of I was Joanne Louise, and now I'm just Joanne. <laughs> yeah, because that is a lot of, you know, that's a mouthful, Joanne Louise, isn't it? Yeah, you see, the the idea behind the logo is the second name is O'Hurley, so the J and the L loop together to make a H, okay. and they're within and they're within a circle for the O. So it's Joanne Louise O'Hurley. If you have a look at the the logo, lovely, and that's what you do a lot of in your work: logos for different companies, isn't it? Um, yeah. So branding, social media design, web design, um, kind of business owners, small to medium enterprises come to us, and we learn their story, and we kind of design that in a way that gets their message across to their audience. And when did this all start for you? I graduated from Waterford um, with a degree in visual communication and I went on then to be a designer for a couple of years and um, I just kind of felt like I was doing a little bit of design on the side and I just kind of felt like I was getting really busy with my little kind of side hustle and I said you know what there's really something here 
um, for kind of there's a lot of young startup community in Clamel and they were all kind of coming to me for design bits and pieces. Um, so I just kind of gave it a go on a part-time basis in February of last year, 2019, and it grew to full-time then within a month. So it was um, it was great and. We now have two designers um, and a web developer as well. So things are growing and um, it's great. We're really lucky. That's brilliant to hear. And uh, as you were saying, your your team are, are quite young. Is, is that hard to get a team together somewhere like Clonmel? You know, we often hear with, you know, design type businesses that Dublin is the place to be. Um, well, hopefully uh, we're going to change people's minds on that. Um, so I... I actually met our web developer, Dara, through a mutual friend um, at a going away party and he spoke about his passion for web development and I said what I do and I said, you know, we could really do something here and he came on board and things have gotten really busy in that sense, which is great. Um, Aoife, our other graphic designer, then she, I met her on, um, we were working on a mutual project for um, a Dublin company and um, then when I started my business, I asked her if she would like um, some design work from me and we she kind of came on board. And then Shauna is our youngest member. So she um, is a marketing and design student um, and she set up her own kind of little side hustle and I spotted her through Instagram and I just messaged her because I thought she was local and I said, um, you know, like if you want to call in, if you need any advice, come on in. And then when she came in, we just clicked and then she came on board. So um, I've been really lucky with, with the guys that have come on like we're all of similar age we're all kind of young 20s and well I'm late 20s now but we'll say young <laughs> but um, yeah it's 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 been great like there's um, they're a really good bunch of creatives and I suppose I've just gotten lucky but um, I suppose you kind of attract what you put out there too we were kind of a young team and that's kind of what um got young people attracted to us. Yeah, that's great to hear. And you've done so well this year as well with winning the one of only five accredited All-Ireland Business All-Star Awards. What what does that mean for you for a, a business that is practically a startup still? Um, We were really blown away by it. It was quite a rigorous process. Um, So one of our clients, um, Laura Maloney from Laurel the Salon in Clomel, um, was All-Star accredited for um, customer centricity and um, she, like, they have different categories within the All-Star business accreditation. And um, I was asking her what it was about and during her interview process, they had spotted her social media graphics um, and she had mentioned us and then that's kind of how we got on their radar. And um, when we were speaking to them then, I mean, you have to go through, um, you have to go through a couple of video interviews, phone interviews, they send you um, a mystery client, a mystery client um, and you have to get reviews from your clients and reviews from your suppliers, reviews from employees. It's quite a, quite a big process. Mm. But when we got it, like, I mean, I suppose I thought we'd just kind of learn a bit about the business and delve a bit more into it and kind of um, see how we got on for future years. I really didn't expect to get the award. So it was, um, God, it was such a huge honour, you know, that we were, we were recognised, one of five startups, you know, it was great. Brilliant. Congratulations. How has COVID been for you? Um, it actually completely changed the business. Okay. Um, so we were kind of, it was generally print media, um, the odd bit of social media graphics and websites. Um, but um, through COVID then, what I began to do was to teach social media um, visual lessons to business owners through Zoom. So that was something new and social media lessons weren't exactly something that we were doing beforehand. And now we do them either in person, one-on-one here in our studio, or um, we still facilitate uh, business owners through Zoom as well, if that's what they prefer. Okay. So um, I suppose that was something new for us. And um, we also worked on um, a campaign with local businesses. It was called Love Clan Mel. Mm-hmm. So we designed a graphic. Um, the idea was um, created by Lisa from Curtains and Blinds in Clamel, and we designed up a graphic. And any business owner that had shot basically just got the the poster printed off and put it in their window. It was kind of a little community support, really. Yeah. Um, and we set up an Instagram page, and now we're relaunching it for Christmas. Um, so it's going to be the Twelve Days of Christmas Love Clamel. And that idea um, came from Sheer Creations in Clamel. Stacy is the business owner there. Um, and she has gathered loads and loads of spot prizes from fabulous Clamel businesses. 
and we'll be giving away those um those prizes through our Love Clonmel page. Um, just to basically thank all of the the people in Clonmel for supporting all the businesses that were closed during COVID. Great, great and idea. Um, we're also collecting money as well for um, Coonsayer, the women's refuge in Clonmel. So mm-hmm. any business owners like myself, say I wouldn't be public facing. I deal directly with business owners. Um, I'll donate money then and whatever we collect then on the 12th day, then we'll donate to, to Coonsayer. Brilliant. Some great stuff going on there. Um, as you said, you are based in Clonmel. If you want to check out what Joanne and her team are doing, their website is jldesigns.ie. Joanne, congratulations and best of luck with the business for the rest of the year and into the future. Thanks so much, Arla. Thanks for calling. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. My next guest this morning is a young Waterford poet who recently had her poem Identity re-released in collaboration with the Adrian Brinkerhoff Foundation and their Read by Series and Poetry Ireland. Sasha Terfus is here this morning to tell us more about identity. But first, we'll have a listen to a little bit of the work itself. Are you okay with that? You're okay with yeah. hearing your own voice yeah, and everything? Yeah, I'm fine with Some that. Some people just hate the sound of their own voice. I am one of those people. Here we go, <laughs> so. I do not know what it means to be black. My version of black culture is cultivated by MTV and news reports. It's big booty bitches, blunts and Bugattis. It's black men dying in streets, oppression piercing their skulls a white lobotomy teaching the ways of correct behavior. It's grown up without a dad. Being part of the 51.2% of black kids in the 90s who were fatherless. A white mom tearing a comb through my hair because nobody taught her how to braid. It's 10 years of flat irons and chemicals because nobody was there to tell a little girl, your hair is as old as humanity itself. That is just some Each of Sasha's poem, people. Identity. Your hair was as old as humanity itself. <laughs> um, and I love that line about your white mum not being able to, hasn't been thought about yeah, your yeah. hair. Yeah. So, wow. All a little <laughs> bit of your own identity, as you said yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose that's what the piece is really about. And I think um, it was something, my own identity was something I struggled with. And I feel like, this piece, it's not the only piece that I'm after writing about what it's like being mixed race in this country and, you know, growing up through the 90s and the early 2000s as a child and stuff. But at the same time, it's kind of like one of the pieces that was the first that really kind of encapsulated my emotions and how I felt and a way for me to express that. Because up until that point, I was like, how did I learn about my heritage? How did I learn about who I was? And how and did you learn? Through the media and through like news. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I, I grew up in New Ross and I grew up um, with with white family and I loved them all to pieces, you know. But the reality of it was I had to... And my mother did the best that she could, mm. but I had to learn about who I was mm-hmm. um, through, you know, like, I remember I was eight years old and my mother sat me down. And she was like, right, we're going to watch Roots. I was like, why am I watching Rich? Because law makes sense someday, girl. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, who is this? Like, do you know what I mean? Why did she try to choose Roots? It was did just, you ever talk to her about that? It was on True Movies at the time. And I think we had all the free channels. So, <laughs> so I was like, uh, do you know? Uh, and does she, do you ever talk to her about your experience growing up as a person of mixed race in... South County Wexford. <laughs> um, I don't. It's not that. It's not that. It's something that needs to kind of be no. spoken about. I suppose there's things like. I mean, there's a segment in the poem that talks about you know screaming at a mother who did, who did nothing but lay yeah. her life down for you. Why don't I look like the other kids at school, mom? Mm-hmm. And that comes exactly from my experience. I have a distinct memory of being a child and kind of coming home to my mother and be like, Why don't I look like everyone else at school? Mm. Like, why does my skin so go so brown when the sun shines and why is my hair so different to everyone else's and how come I won't straighten like other people's and do you know what I mean so it's it's kind of been like an open line of communication throughout my childhood it wasn't really one of those things that I had to be like a big sit down yeah you say when you were sending out this poem that it's a piece of your identity and I think that's what people like myself who who are white 
it's hard for us to decipher that it is just part of your identity. Yeah. You know, do you mm. find that that you're almost expected to represent everyone of mixed race, be it in your poetry? So it has to be that constant theme or on a day to day scale? I think I think um, I write a lot about a lot of different you know topics and themes and stuff like that. Um, definitely, identity is something that I focus on a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, I also grew up in a household that had a huge Arabic influence. Um, and I like to write poetry about that too, even mm-hmm. though that might not have been my experience through this world. It's still something that's really close to me. Um, because I've seen people, you know, flee their countries and come into our house uh, for, you know. Uh, for comfort uh, right. and for a little bit of safety and and you know they are immigrants they are you know refugees so to speak and it's it's really sad um but I think when I say that the poem is a piece of my identity I think it's important that we also recognize that I'm more than just what's in this poem and I love and I hate and you know I sing and I dance and I also have my anxious moments and I cry and you know I have mental health issues like the next person and I work hard every day. Um, so I am more than what's in the poem, but yet that has been a reoccurring theme of course, throughout um, my life. And your poem is nearly two years old and yet I'm sure it has been re-released as we were saying, but I'm sure... It's actually older. Is it? Yeah, wow. I think the poem, it was one of the first poems that I actually uh, wrote. Okay. Um, and but, I think that could have been 2016. Wow. Yeah. So did it? Did it, was it something that you thought about again as a poem this summer when the Black Lives Matter movement became to the forefront yet mm. again? I think um, I think it's a poem that I've always kind of performed. Okay. Um, so it's always been kind of like on my list of go-to poems, mm-hmm. not only because I know that I can perform it, but also um, it's just one of my favourites that I'm after writing. And it's so funny because, you know, all these years later and hopefully I've gotten better at writing, <laughs> Um but it's still, I always look back at that. And even though there's so many things that I would change about it, it's still, it's just a piece of me, you know, it's it's a piece of my soul, my spirit. Um, so when all of this happened, um, I kind of looked back on that poem and I was like, oh, you know, and obviously I know that there are people out there that have a very, have a much worse experience than I have had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I am not the, the pinnacle of what it is to be a person of color. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's so many varying experiences that have dealt with so much more than what I have dealt with. Mm-hmm. But you are telling your story. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when the Adrian Brinkerhoff Foundation approached me, they actually said to me, you know, we'd actually love to use this piece. And okay. I was like, you had no wow. Choice. <laughs> but even at that, I was kind of like, yeah, go on, go on. You know, like, yeah, go on. <laughs> so you, your piece that's on YouTube, you recorded that again for them. Yeah, I did indeed. And it was great because I got to perform it in Waterford as well. So it was kind of like, ah, yeah. Like, yeah, back to your roots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me, um, is like you, you're very, it's quiet and very melodic the way that you perform this poem but you're a spoken word poet so is it yeah. is there's a lot of acting involved in it I presume for you is there oh I wouldn't say that now I wouldn't give my <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't uh, I, I wouldn't flatter myself with the title of an of an actor but how um, would you describe your spoken word poetry if you were to perform it is it mm. boisterous is it quiet is it melodic I think it depends on the piece okay um, I kind of it, it sounds strange but I like to look at each poem as a character mm-hmm. and um, I suppose in the way yeah it does kind of have yeah. a, a bit of acting in it that way yeah because it is a performance but I think each poem kind of has its own voice and um, if I was to perform it any other way than what that poem is asking for, it's a disservice to the piece, you know, and I feel like it would come across as disingenuous and, and people wouldn't be able to connect with it. And that's what all I'm trying to do is just not even connect with people, but just make them reflect. OK, I looked at your video, as you said, um, which is on the Adrian Brinkerhoff, so hard to say, um, <laughs> read by series. There's some big hitters in there, some very well-known names and actors reading out some of their poetry it must be nice to be sitting in there amongst them all oh yes it's it's very nice <laughs> so if you want to check out Sasha's poem um, and some of the other poems that are available on the Adrian Brinkerhoff series on YouTube that's what you search for it's exactly as I'm saying it even though I'm probably not making sense it's Brinkerhoff B-R-I-N-K-E-R-H-O-F-F I love this sort of poetry it makes me 
like forget about my Leaving Cert poetry experience. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. gorgeous to see people read out their poems and read isn't even the right word for it to perform their poems and you really get a sense of the themes and the emotions mm. that go with it so well done it's oh, lovely to so have much. you in here on the Sunday Grill again and thanks a million for coming in this morning thank you so much for having me The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103